welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we are talking all about the Galactic Star Cruiser. So we're actually going to be dropping two episodes this week. So this episode is going to be more of an overview, a 101 guide for the Star Cruiser. If you're interested in going, kind of what it's all about, what the story is, some basic information you need to know. We're not going to get into a ton of spoilers on this episode. So if you're interested in going and you don't want to know all the storylines, all the different things that could potentially happen, this is the episode for you. We are going to have another episode out later this week in a couple days where we get deep into spoilers, what happened to us, kind of what our journey was, our specific experience on the Star Cruiser. So if there's somebody that doesn't care about spoilers or... <laughs> You know, you you don't mind if you if you hear what happens. Um, you know, wait a few days and that episode will be out. Or you want to know what the options are because you want to experience the different ones. Because I mean, I had no clue going in, and to an ex- a certain extent, that didn't necessarily work in my favor. But still, I mean, I think I I don't know. I'm definitely a no spoilers kind of person. Well, that's a good point because I don't really think there's anywhere on the internet that has like all of the different storylines mapped out. So to to your point, like I'm somebody that kind of likes to know that level of detail, you know, and maybe you're somebody that's already gone once and you're thinking about going again. You want to hear what somebody else's experience was because maybe we did a storyline that you didn't do. And so you want to know that level of detail. Um, Yeah, it's not really a place like there's no place you can see that. I'm like, okay, here's all the choices I can make, which I think is probably pretty hard to map out anyway. So we'll we'll get into all of that, like our specific experiences, the storylines we did. And we did a little bit different storyline. So I think we covered kind of like a pretty good gamut during our, our trip. So that'll be coming out in a few days this week. Um, but today, like like we said, it's going to be more of a 101 guide because there's not really like a good general overview guide out there either. Yeah, like before I went, I kind of wanted to know what it was that I needed to know from Star Wars because I'll say this probably 15 times, but for some reason, my mind dumps all Star Wars information. I'll watch a movie and then I forget it immediately. So I wanted to know before I went on, like, what background should I at least be aware of? Exactly. All right. But before we get into that, let's cover the Disney news of the week. Uh, so first off, want to talk about the Splash Mountain redo. So we got some additional information about the Splash Mountain uh, redo. That's going to be Tiana's Bayou Adventure. That's coming to Walt Disney World and Disneyland. They're like slowly releasing information about this one. Mm-hmm. So we got an additional piece of concept art where you're traveling through the bayou. There's a lot of fireflies. I don't think any of them are going to be Ray because if you've watched the movie, Ray doesn't survive past the end of the movie, but there's going to be a lot of a lot of other uh, fireflies there with our buddy Ray or Raymond. His friends call him Ray, though. But my name is Raymond. Well, my friends call me Ray. Yep, there you go. (laughs) Um, So, so we got another scene there. You know, it it looks pretty cool. We do have an official closure date now. That's kind of the big news here for at least Splash Mountain and Walt Disney World. So it's going to be January twenty third, twenty twenty three. Is going to be the closure for Splash Mountain and Disney World. We still don't have an official date for Disneyland yet. They said that's going to be announced a little bit later. My guess is it'll be shortly after, but they're going to keep it open a little bit because the hundredth anniversary of the company is kicking off in January. So I imagine they want to have Splash Mountain open for a few weeks there for all yeah. the people kind of coming in for the hundredth one last ride there. Um, but I imagine it's going to be shortly after because this redo is supposed to be done by late 2024. So they can't wait much longer um, because they're going to kind of run out of time there. Yeah. I- I'm really excited to see how this 
goes. I'm excited to see Splash Mountain getting some attention because it has been kind of comically bad um, with the animatronics being broken and um, just needing revamped anyway. So I'm I'm really excited to see what they do with Tiana. That's one of my favorite newer Disney movies. So I'm, I'm excited to see her get her own ride. No, definitely. All right. And then uh, another thing I want to mention related to theme parks, um, this had kind of been going around as a rumor. And then there was some debate on whether it was uh, an error in the programming, but it seems like this is true. Um, and, and I noticed it when we were setting up dining reservations for our upcoming trip in January. So it appears that the dining reservation cancellation window at Walt Disney World has shrunk. So it used to be you had to cancel uh, 24 hours before your dining reservation. Otherwise, you got charged, I think it was $10 a person uh, credit card fee for like a, a no-show. Disney has now shrunk that to two hours before. Um, so this was kind of floating around a few weeks ago. And then again, there was some debate on whether it was real or not. But whenever I went and was making dining reservations, I looked at the, the cancellation policy and it said two hours before. So it seems like this is uh, in place now and it's true. And this is nice because it it gives you a lot more flexibility because you know, maybe a day before you're still interested in going, but like mm -hmm. that day something comes up, you get stuck in line, you decide, Hey, I'm not hungry. You went to Epcot and you ate way too many snacks. And so you don't want to go to you know dinner anymore. So having a two hour window, I think is nice. It provides a lot more flexibility. I will say on the flip side, it's going to make it a lot harder to get dining reservations because I know a lot of people book and then a lot of people like wait till like 24 hours before to look to see if anything opens up because people cancel. So I can't do that anymore because people have up to two hours. So uh, it'll be a lot more, you can still do it, but it'll be a lot closer to like when you want to go. I was going to say, I mean, you can drop in and maybe more things will open up right before or at the time that you want. So I don't know. That could be actually a good thing. Well, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be kind of like more real time versus where like you could look the day before. You know, that was kind of a tactic. Like if you didn't get a very popular dining reservation, someplace you wanted to go, you could always check like 24 hours before because that's when a lot of people would cancel if they're not going to go. Now you can't do that. Now it's kind of more like... Yeah, if you want to go for dinner, you maybe got to look at four o'clock for a six o'clock dinner, something like that. But I, I think it's a nice feature in terms of vacation planning. It gives a lot more flexibility. And I like it that it's two hours before versus, okay, the day before. Because again, like especially in January, we're running a race. The day before, you might feel great. You might run a marathon and be like, I don't want to go anywhere. And now we can have time to cancel. My legs might actually fall off. Exactly. You never know. And you'd be like, I, I don't want to eat anything. Uh, and then one other thing I wanted to mention, Kevin Lima, who is the director of the Goofy movie uh, and Enchanted, we actually interviewed him last year. So if you've not heard that interview, uh, be sure to go check that out. Uh, but he actually reached out because he released on his YouTube channel, and we'll put a link to this in the description, a director's commentary for Enchanted. So this is something he put together himself. Uh, it kind of goes behind the scenes with his anecdotes and kind of insight into the production and scripting and casting. And I think he has some like concept art that's never before uh, been seen shown in this. So really well done. And it's meant to be a companion piece to the movie. So it's, it's kind of meant to be a, a director's commentary that you watch alongside the movie. So you play the movie on Disney Plus, it's on Disney Plus now, uh, and you kind of play this you know, YouTube video at the same time, and you can kind of hear Kevin's commentary and some insight in it as well. So just wanted to, to throw that out there and kind of give a little bit of a plug. Like I said, we'll put a link to the video in the description if you're interested in watching that. 
this is actually pretty interesting. And I don't know where these things live now. Like back in the day of the DVD and Blu-ray, a lot of, you know, movies had these behind the scenes. I know that like Avengers movies do because they come out with specials. I know that Frozen did, but not all movies seem to have these sort of like behind the scenes peaks to them. So it is interesting that like YouTube could become a home of this type of content. And definitely this, you know, this one for Enchanted would be really interesting. And I would definitely want to watch it because that movie is awesome. Yeah. And it's interesting because to your point, like you, you have kind of the official stuff, but then again, he's doing this, uh, you know, himself to kind of commemorate, you know, I think it was 15 years. I think we're past 15 years when the movie came out, but I think he kind of started this as like a 15 year anniversary idea to kind of go back and again, look at the movie, look at the creation of it. Um, but yeah, to your point, like it, it's almost an, an add-on. So there's probably something on the DVD when it came out, but now we have additional things that yeah can kind of live on on YouTube and live on forever. So yeah, pr- pretty cool there. All right, so let's jump into our main topic. So the Galactic Star Cruiser kind of 101 overview here. So this is for anybody that's maybe not super familiar with the Halcyon, the Star Cruiser. What is it? You know, what is this Star Wars hotel that we've heard a lot about that? Everybody just says cost a ton of money. You know, what is it? Is it something that you may be interested in? So we'll kind of go over an overview of just kind of what the story is, who the main players are, kind of cost, food, what you can expect. Um, and then we got some questions. I, I threw it out kind of on our Instagram. You know, what questions do you have about it from our, our recent trip? So we have a few questions uh, from that and just to kind of a couple other like general questions I think people may ask. But just to kind of give everybody a quick overview, we did visit while well, we went over Thanksgiving weekend. We went on Black Friday, but it was Saturday. Saturday. After Black yeah, Friday. Saturday was our voyage. So um, that means Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving weekend. Um, we we went on, on the Star Cruiser. So it is essentially a two-day experience. It's kind of two and a half days. So we boarded Saturday, Saturday afternoon. It was the rest of the day, uh, Saturday, all day Sunday. And then uh, Monday, you eat breakfast and leave. So basically, it's, it's a two-night two day I, I really don't count like that third day is three days it's basically like two nights two days uh, essentially trip here yeah i mean it whenever you add it all up it's more like two days because you get there around noon and then you leave at like 10 o'clock in the morning so you get one full day there so really it's only like two days right it's about two days so yeah so so we'll start with kind of a, an overview of you know what this is you know kind of what's the backstory here for the ship. The ship was actually built by the same Carillion engineering company and shipyard as the Millennium Falcon, which is pretty darn cool. And it has a sister ship called the Wonderlight, uh, which was created by Shug Drabber. Um, kind of interesting thing is this one, like the way that they kind of built this up is it's almost like um, the White Star Line, which is a real life, you know, like cruise lining. That was the shipyard and company that ran the Titanic. So they sort of almost mirrored the Titanic with that. And a little bit about the voyage history. It's interesting they picked the Titanic <laughs> shipyard as, as what they kind of picked as the backstory. I mean, here. I read somewhere that somebody likened it and I thought about it. I was like, oh, this is kind of like the Titanic because I teach a whole little unit on yeah. the Titanic. You know, this isn't a spoiler, but I mean, anything in a theme park, it's always like, hey, you're having fun. And then something goes wrong. <laughs> so something goes wrong on this ship. So it's a, it is a little, little bit, not an like iceberg, but yeah. it's, it's a little, a little like something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the maiden voyage for the Halcyon was actually to Batu, and it was in uh, 3036 
L Y, which I didn't know what that was, so I had to look it up. That means Lothal year, which is the calendar that's used by the Outer Rim territories. So you I'm went really deep. You I went know deep I'm getting, in this. I got deep in it. Okay. I was I was really trying. I'm trying more since I went to the Star Cruiser because I definitely like Star Wars now more than I did when I went in. So that's a good little plug for them. It is. So so yeah, so the first trip was to Batu and kind of the idea and the story here is you're at their 275th mm-hmm. anniversary. So they're going back to Batu and that's kind of how it ties into the theme park. Um, so that that's kind of the idea. You're on the Halcyon. This is a kind of a special voyage for them uh, in terms of the cruise. And the idea is you're on a cruise. So if you're familiar with cruises, it's kind of a similar idea where you know all the foods included you know once you're on there they have little activities and events that kind of keep you busy you have your day where you disembark and you go to batu so you have a cruise director so it's, it's very much geared towards like a cruise in space in terms of the actual hotel so not backstory here it has a hundred rooms so it's it's very small so it can hold about four to five hundred people max i think when we went it definitely was not sold full. out because um, I was looking up to that week to see if there was still availability. So I know it wasn't sold out. My guess is there was maybe 275 to 300 people, which I think is better. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's a failure. They can't sell out. They're having trouble selling rooms. I almost think that's better. If you can go on a day that didn't sell out and you have maybe half full to like three quarters full, I think that's better because you get yeah. you know more one-on-one time with with the actors. You get... You know, less crowds around some key moments, you know, dinner, it's just a little bit easier. You can kind of spread out a little bit better. So I actually liked it that it wasn't sold out. You know, I think even with four to 500 people, if it's fully booked, that's still a small enough group. I think you're still going to have a good experience. But I, I think the fact that we had a little bit less definitely added to it. Um, and the idea here is really that it is immersive theater. So I think a lot of people when it first came out, a lot of people were like, oh, it's so much money. It wasn't worth it. And Disney's even kind of said this. If you're not willing to kind of fully immerse yourself and play along, you're going to have a bad time because you can't think of it as a hotel trip to Disney. You have to think of it as I am I'm going to see a play that I am a character in. Yeah. So if you've ever, you know, the closest thing I can think of that this relates to in any sort of way is Sleep No More in New York City. So if you've ever done that or been involved with that, um, you know, there that is immersive theater, except for the fact that when you were there, you are not a character. You are basically a faceless because you have to wear a mask person and you just kind of... You're passively viewing it. Yes, you're passively viewing the entire thing. The actors don't really interact with you. There's a couple interactions, but most people don't get any sort of interactions. This is full on. Um, the, the actors are, you know, they have lines to give, but then they also will address you and they have these really i mean they do such a good job with improv especially with the kids which i'm, I'm so sure you're, I'll talk you're to switching back to the star cruiser here now that's not sleep no yeah, more yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah, about. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, well i will find it interesting because you mentioned sleep no more when we went um so over thanksgiving i saw on instagram scott throwbridge who's an yeah. imagineer who helped uh build galaxy's edge and who helped uh do the um star cruiser the halcyon he was actually in new york at Sleep No More. And yeah, he posted, he mentioned the he posted McKindrick, a picture. McKendrick, yeah. is that what it is? Yeah, McKendrick Hotel. And uh, he mentioned that he was going back to visit their guests. And it was so weird. I saw that before we went. Yeah. And then after seeing it, like, to your point, it shares very much like a common DNA, um, mm-hmm. not in terms of 
uh, age appropriate content. <laughs> Sleep no more. Yes, there is absolutely no nudity yes. at the Star Cruiser. So, yes, it's much more a uh, kid friendly on the Star Cruiser, but but it shares like that common DNA, like you said, where that it it really is um, a, a good comparison in that regard of like you being involved in the story like this. So, so yeah, so you have to go in with that expectation. If you, if you go in and you're like, Hey, this is just going to be a vacation. I'm just going to kind of sit around. It's star Wars. You're, you're really going to miss out. And I think those are people with that kind of mindset going with that are going to be disappointed and are going to think they paid way too much for this Mm -hmm. because you really aren't getting the full experience. If you're just kind of there watching. Yeah. And another thing, you know, just to kind of make people feel better. Um, I'm horribly socially awkward. I have a really hard time sometimes coming up with what to say to people and specifically people I don't know. And for about the first like two to three hours of being there and actually whenever everything started, I was having a really hard time. And I actually was almost having, I don't want to say a panic attack because I wasn't, but I was in my own head so bad about, oh oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go up and talk to these people. And it definitely made it harder. They are trained actors who are very extroverted. They're excellent at asking you questions. They're excellent at listening. You know, the only thing that I think that you really need to do is just make sure that you kind of know your backstory. Cause I know at a couple points in time I cracked and I didn't, I kind of went off my backstory because they just ask you, Oh, Hey, what do you do? And then I, w- I was like, I'm a teacher. And I was like, no, no, I'm a, I'm a professional graph ball player. Darn it. I didn't mean to say that, <laughs> but yeah, like they're really good at that. So don't go like, if you can try to go in and just be like, it's okay. Like everything is going to be okay, these people are great and approach them as much as possible. Yeah. And, and to your point, if you don't have your backstory, like I want to go ex- extremely oh, detailed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if they you don't slip ask you, up, yeah, they don't ask you. All they don't ask you a lot of detailed questions. If you slip up, they're not going to care. Like they're not going to remember all that detail. They're going to know you kind of like slipped up there a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, they, they did a good job. The only th- and I think we stayed pretty consistent. The one big thing that we stayed consistent with was our names because we didn't give our real names. We had, you know, yeah. So we, we used we, aliases yes. here. So I was Lars. Yes. And I was Danny. Yeah. So, so we did not use our, our real names, which I think added to it. it I did. stayed Lars the whole time. You called me Joe a few times. Cause oh, yeah, you got yeah. so excited. You're like, Joe, come see this. Come see this. <laughs> And I'm like, who's Joe? It's Lars. Um, but, yeah, but like I, I see Chewy. And I was like, Joe, it's Chewy. And then I was like yelling down the stairs. And I'm like, I mean, Lars. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I think that added too. All right. So getting back to kind of just like the overview of it, it is set in the sequel era. So you really do not need to know anything about Star Wars, except for if you've seen episodes seven and eight. So the, yeah. the first ones Disney put out with Kylo Ren and Rey. That's all you need. You don't even need to have seen nine. If you kind of understand the movies that Galaxy's Edge is set in and kind Mm -hmm. of those characters, that's all you need. You don't need to know Luke, Leia, Darth Vader, any of that stuff. Mm -mm. That doesn't come into play at all. Now, I'm sure if you know about that and you know the history of the Empire and all that sort of stuff, you could build that into your backstory. People are going to understand that. It'll make your experience richer, I'm sure. But you don't need it. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think that there's more understanding, like... You know, there's there's some plot points like they're not huge plot points, but little plot points about like, for example, the oppression of the Twi'lek people. And you would know more about that if you saw more of um, like the different, you know, you've seen the Bad Batch. You know, yeah, I've seen the Bad Batch. Like we've seen that. So I was like familiar with that because I love the Bad Batch. But yeah, so that's something it'll fill in the background a little bit for you, but you don't necessarily need it. A couple other little side notes about the ship before we move on. 
um, that's really interesting is that it was formerly a casino ship that was run by the Huts. Everyone knows Jabba the Hut, so I, it, that's just kind of cool. And then also, apparently, like famously, Padme and Anakin were on board to uncover a conspiracy by the Republic senator. And then also after the fall of Republic, uh, it was under imperial control as a repeat, uh, retreat for imperial officers. During that time, Lando and Hondo performed a heist to steal jewels from the Imperials, uh, the Imperials on board. And then lastly, after the Empire fell, Han Solo and Princess Leia honeymooned on board. And I think we did it. They, I think somebody yeah, they, mentioned that at some point They've done a lot time. to kind of tie in the Halcyon. Because it <laughs> to, never really to, to Star appeared until now. Yeah. And there are now comics that are out, I think, right. that you can see um, or read about the Halcyon again to try to tie it into the history in, in Star Wars. Yeah, it, it, I just think that those little plot points were really interesting about it. And again, you don't need to know that going in, but it's kind of cool to know. We, we've talked a lot about uh, these actors, the kind of idea of immersive theater. So there's a few key players you kind of need to know, people that you may want to interact with, and and just kind of, again, you don't need to know like their whole history, but just kind of like a brief backstory just to kind of understand who they are uh, is really all you need. So there is a droid. SK uh, is the droid. He's kind of like twenty. He's a he's an R two D two like droid. He's pretty cool. It's actually pretty impressive to watch them roam around because unlike like if you see a droid around in the theme parks, you can usually see a cast member mm-hmm. nearby, so you kind of know they're uh, a part of it. There's nobody walking around this droid. This droid at one point got in an elevator. The elevator went down a couple of floors. The droid got out and kept going. And both you and I looked at each other and were like, how is it doing this? It yes. has not run into anything. There's little kids around it. It never ran into a little kid. It's yep. super impressive to see this droid moving around. It is really a free roaming droid. It's very much like what they talked about that was going to be in Galaxy's Edge that never happened. And I have to imagine there's just too many people in Galaxy's Edge. You know, I mean, you can do this when there's only 50 people walking around. It's yeah. much easier to do, but it's very impressive. Uh, so so the droid is one of the characters uh, that's important in this. Yeah, he's like kind of acts as the assistant cruise director. He mm-hmm. kind of assists Lenka Mock, who is, again, the, the cruise director. So she manages the entertainment and she's human. Um, also we have the, the captain who is Raiola Keevan and Keevan is a Pantoran, which again, um, very interestingly it's built in there. So she's blue. So what she looks like is she's blue. She has cool. If markings. she was green, she would die. <laughs> she has markings on her face and she has really light color eyes that are really sh- striking against her skin. And it's interesting how like this is used by one of the other characters is kind of a knock against her because she is Pantoran. So you can see some of the history of Star Wars and like racism in the galaxy um, due to the fact that that's what she is. Also, there is Sammy, who is new to the Halcyon. He's a mechanic and he's really friendly and helpful and well-meaning. There's also... Gaia. So Gaia is this very it's a, it's interesting. She's a galactic superstar. Yeah. I mean she she comes in she's kind of like this diva on the ship of like She's like I'm Madonna. Ga- yeah, like meets- I'm Gaia. I know I'm great. I know you love me. I'm the biggest thing in the galaxy. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. knows her. They talk about how she how she sells out like every show across the galaxy, and she is just this phenomenal superstar. And like, they can't believe she's coming on this cruise, and it's pretty impressive. And she does a a great show. The first night's dinner 
is kind of her performance. And it's really well done. Yeah. And it's interesting because, well, she's a Twi'lek. So um, again, there's a lot in there built with like what she is and also how they've kind of over time been oppressed. And then also um, there's becomes this question that I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me. Like, why is she on board? Cause she's like this galactic superstar. So why would she come and do a dinner show? Right. Um, so that's kind of a interesting little like, plot point that yeah. you kind of wonder about. And then with her kind of group, we have Wani, who is a Rodian. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, she's the same species as uh, Greedo was in the original uh, series. So, you know, who shot first, uh, you know, that that character. This is another really impressive character. So the droid is really impressive because it appears to be free roaming and you can't see anybody controlling it. Wani is super impressive because being an alien species like that, it's a full mask, but it has full articulation. She talks, her eyes moves, you can feel expression. She speaks Huttonese, so she does not speak English. Huttonese. Huttonese. Sorry, thank you. Uh, she speaks Huttonese, so you have to kind of communicate with her through body movements and inference, which you can kind of pick up on. I mean, it's it's not necessarily easy. It's You kind of ask her, wait, did you mean this? And she kind of nods yes or no. I mean, we, we were able to communicate with her a little bit. Um, but she is really impressive to see in person, and she's she's also like very happy go lucky. Like yes. she giggles a lot, yes, um, which makes her very interesting to like talk to, and like I don't know, it, it kind of puts you at ease too because I feel like a lot of it, I felt again like this pressure of like oh my gosh, I need to figure out everything she has to say, and it's just like she's just so. I don't know. She's just so Very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It, it, it makes it a lot of fun to hang out with her. And she's sort of with Gaia. Correct. And she's yeah, actually, she's got- she acts as kind of the backup to Gaia. And she plays something that's similar to a theremin. Yes. She's kind of like the mu- musician. Uh, and then you have Gaia's manager, Wraith Cole, who was kind of the Han Solo-esque character uh, of this. You know, he he's kind of that. He's a rogue. Yeah. He's a rogue kind of uh, in the middle. Uh, he's a very interesting character. You know, he's, kind of out of the three the one you're going to interact with the most you know Wani's kind of walking around a little bit just for like interactions just to kind of have a character walking around she's really well, not ha- involved in missions you know per it's se it's hard to have like much yeah. of a real like a relationship or develop anything right. with her because she does you can't understand each other right but but wraith has a, a pretty in-depth storyline um along with with uh you know guys kind of involved there uh but- and Oh, yeah. Along with Wani, then you have Sandro Alimander, who is an aspiring musician, and he and Wani connect, and he plays something that's similar to the guitar, and he's either, okay, I'm going to try my best, he's either a Togruta humanoid, or he's Marillion, so it's really interesting, like, if you see him, so he's orange, and then sometimes he has just, like, a regular, uh, like, something on his head, and sometimes he has, like, these, like, Tails, almost like, like a twilight. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh yeah, like like, like Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's he's presented as either one of those. So depending, you can go more than once and see it him as something different, a different race, which is super cool. Right. Uh, and then you have Lieutenant Croy, who is with the <laughs> First Order, who was probably my favorite character uh, on there. I think Lieutenant Croy uh, is a lot of fun. I think he has really good interactions with everybody, just because he is the First Order, and so everybody kind of gives him a hard time, and he's kind of giving everybody a hard time. But he's there essentially investigating, um, basically, that the Halcyon is somehow involved with the Resistance. And so he's there with a couple stormtroopers to kind of get to the bottom of this, to investigate what's going on. Things seem a little bit suspicious, uh, and that's why he's on the ship. 
And he's very charming. Um, you know, for a bad guy, he's super charming. And also, if you ever see, like, if you see any little kids around, if you happen to go on, make sure you stick around and see the way that they interact, especially if they're very outgoing children, because that was, those were my favorite things that happened on the whole trip is watching him interact with the children who so vehemently opposed him because they, you know, were very, very starkly with the, um, the resistance. resistance. Yeah, yeah. I got to say, I mean, L- Lieutenant Croy was the best. I-, I thought he was the best character. I thought whoever played him when we were there mm-hmm. uh, was great. I would love to talk to that guy just too. to like understand, like, how did you get this role? Like, how did you come up with this character? If you are listening yes. and you were Lieutenant Croy the Saturday after Thanksgiving and you were best friends with Lars and Danny, <laughs> please reach out to us. Um, Enchanted Ears uh, over on Facebook, Enchanted Ears Podcast on Instagram. Send us a message. We do not have to do anything that was put out on a podcast. Yes, absolutely. I just want to talk to you and just and in thank person. You. Yes, and thank yeah, you for, for such a great we, performance. We so had if somebody such knows a that guy. Time. Or you're listening. That would be crazy if he was. Yeah. If he listened to this podcast, it would be insane. Um, but definitely reach out to us. Yeah, he was. He was just. He was so good. And we actually even tried to look up who he was. And they must. Disney must keep that under wraps oh, yeah, pretty, sure. yeah. pretty tightly because we were just so we were so curious because he was so great. Also, we had a couple other characters. So we had D three hundred nine, who is the droid that is on the the vid screen that's in your room. Um, she'll answer any questions that you have, and she runs the ship's logistics. Also, she'll tell you a bedtime story and sing you a song, which is pretty cool or sing you a song which is pretty cool so she offers every night if you talk to her then we have like the last kind of group of new characters which is which are the the saja so they are the experts in lightsaber training and yeah, they're, they're kind of like the jedi sensitive. Yeah, yeah like they they're not they jedi but they're essentially like force wielders that are basically jedi yeah and so. so yeah they're there as a refuge because they found that halcyon is their refuge and there's probably i, I think there were what four three or four i think there were three I, I feel like of one them? of them switched out to like the second day. Like there was like was, three and I feel like then there was like another one the next day that I saw. So I know that there are at least two women and one man. For ours. Yeah. For there ours. Was th- I feel like there was like four total. But I feel like the first day there were there was an extra Saja yeah, around. So yeah. I don't they know. They were kind of floating around. Yeah. So so those are kind of like the main uh, characters you have on the ship. I wonder if the Saja they have their because it doesn't list them like on the website that I got my information from it didn't list them by name so I'm wondering if they have their own names that they have picked out and they might recycle you know like yeah, depending on who it is it. Yeah. so they might have because we had Saja Kier um, I can't remember the one that was ours in our group yeah I don't remember I just remember <laughs> I Kier yeah and um, and then was his name Cade I think his I name was Cade I don't remember I don't remember but, the other ones yeah he was, he looked like um, Flynn Rider yeah, good, good <laughs> but, yeah. All right, so that that's kind of like the 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 main characters that you're going to interact with on the ship. Just kind of basic details of what this cruise is. Like we mentioned, you board in the afternoon the first day. The earliest you can uh, board is one o'clock. So that's basically you arrive at the terminal, you take a shuttle uh, up to the Halcyon from the port. It, it's completely immersive from the time you step into that building you're completely immersed that you're in space which is pretty impressive so for two straight days you're fully immersed Um, but one o'clock is the earliest you can board you can arrive at the terminal uh, up to two hours early we got there a little afternoon maybe like 12 15 or so and there was maybe only like 
10 other people there. So you don't have to be there super, super early. Uh, but I definitely would recommend arriving a little bit before one, you know, yeah. maybe 1230 or something like that. If you drive your own car, they will valet for free. Um, you know, we took a lift, we got there. So that was no problem. If you're staying on Disney property the night before we weren't, you can take Disney transportation to get there. Uh, but kind of the idea is you get there. So you can get on at one that gets you there the earliest uh, possible which is also nice because there's not as many people on the ship. So you can kind of... better for pictures. Yeah, you can get a lot of pictures. But really nothing happens until four. Right. So I, I think that personally, I mean, I got on and... You were like was, running around trying I to do everything. I was like, yeah, like a kid in a candy store. You do not need to do that. Um, just a little I tip. tried to if tell you, you that too. I was like, slow down. I know. You're, but like, I, you're like, I'm trying to get in this room. I'm like, I was so it intense. It hasn't started yet. It, just wait a second. I so. was so intense because I, I was thinking I was going to find things around the ship. And you do find things around the ship. But I was so unaware of how big the ship was. I, again, I was kind of comparing it to Sleep No More. And Sleep No More, I think, had like six floors yeah. to it so there was a lot to see whereas the ship has you know uh, it definitely has several settings yeah there's a couple but main areas. it's not nearly as massive right. as like sleep mode so there, there's a couple main areas you have the atrium which is where a lot of the the main uh story happens you have the bridge which has the really cool uh screens kind of like space 220 yes it just looks like, like you're that. out of space um with the controls and everything there that you get to do an experience on there's the sublight lounge which is basically a bar small uh lounge yeah, area really small. uh you can play sabak hollow sabak there uh you have four floors of rooms then you have the the dining area you have the engineering room and the cargo hold. Uh, and then you also have where they do the lightsaber training. And then you have, they call it the climate simulator, but it's basically just the outside. So if you need to get outside, you can go outside, but it's completely themed that it's simulating the climate of Batu. So again, so you're fully immersed. So yeah, so you can definitely like wander around. There's also a gift shop. I forgot about that. Of course, <laughs> there's a gift shop. I also found it funny when we left, there was a gift shop. They found a way to exit through the gift shop, even on this hotel. They, they open up a gift shop whenever you leave. You can kind of explore, but you really don't have to like kill yourself to try to find everything. Because no. if you get on at one, you have three hours until really everything starts. They do have lunch. So they do have a lunch buffet. Um, so you can definitely eat, kind of get settled in, you know, take some time to kind of like get settled into your room, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, but don't feel like you have to kind of crack every code as soon as you get there. Because you're going to have three hours before the main story starts at around four o'clock that first day. Yeah, so whenever you come in, you can go and eat. They, it's kind of funny because we were hanging out in the engineering room. And when we were hanging out in the engineering room, they were even like, hey, have you eaten yet? So they were trying to even kind of get us to go over to get food because, again, they weren't quite set. And things didn't really move into motion until 4 o'clock. Uh, and then so the rest of your first day, kind of once the show starts, you get to start interacting with the characters that's kind of when they start feeling out like what allegiances are you going to mm -hmm. follow you start getting some missions and really that's kind of like act one setting up the second day uh, which is the morning you go to Batu, so this is your time in hollywood studios and this is where you do additional missions that really decides are you going to go kind of deep down one path or not that then kind of sets up like what your afternoon of the second day is but really that first day is kind of like Hey, just go around, talk to everybody, like see who you want to follow. Again, you can, there's really like no right or wrong answer at that point. And as you interact with people, you're going to get messages on your phone. So that's, that is another thing. Everything is on like the Play Disney app on the data pad on your phone. So you'll need a cell phone. 
Um, they have them if you don't have one. We used our own. Bring a charger because yeah. you're, you may run out of battery. They do. They will provide you with a portable charger yeah. as well, though, because I think they, they thought of that. And how. Yeah, because yeah, you're gonna you're gonna run out of battery if you're just kind of playing with this constantly. But as you interact with with the characters, they'll then kind of send you messages, which you can then you know depending on how you answer is going to go you know yeah. deep into the first story, story deep in the resistance, kind of play both sides. You you can really do anything you know whatever you want to do yeah so it definitely it goes along those lines of those video games where they give you the prompts and then you get to sort of choose your own adventure there you can blow off the characters and if you blow them off then that storyline will pretty much close you might get other opportunities um to reopen those storylines but for the most part depending on how you answer it's gonna open things up but that first day is really it's really important to pull out your extrovert card because the more people you talk to, the more opportunities you're going to be presented with. And also um, just a little like tip. If you are interested in talking to the captain, she's out in the very beginning, but she's not out a lot. There are certain characters that are hard to find um, throughout. She's one that she's out whenever you get there and she's mingling, but then after a while she does go away and she's not out super a lot. So if you want to talk to her, that's the time to do it. Yeah. And I would say this too. I mean, you talk about pulling out your extrovert card, even not even that, like if you see a group of people, cause again, there's a oh, lot yeah. of people there and they're kind of just like in a group, just kind of like slide into that group and conversation. Because I think what happens is, is if you get close to a person, yep you then will get a message. And so if you kind of get involved in a group and you're near the action, even if maybe you don't have a direct contact because maybe you're not ready to talk to that person yet, you're still going to get that alert on your phone. And then again, you can answer it in a way that gets you on that story path. So I would start with that. And I also found too, like if you're in a group of five or six people, they'll talk, the actors will eventually turn to kind of everybody and try to bring everybody in the conversation. They'll ask you what your name is. They'll ask you a little bit about you. So they do a good job of trying to get you involved they if do. you're nearby. So if they kind of see, hey, you're here, they'll, they'll try to pull a little bit out of you. And then the more you give them, you know, the deeper they're going to go with it and the more they're going to remember you. So so you don't have to necessarily like chase everybody down and be like, hey, no, hey, no, I want to no. talk to you. And even that first night, there's a lot of stuff going on that we kind of were just standing around and it was like, oh, hey, something's happening. We'll just go in with this group and you can yeah. kind of see things. That was the one thing I, I really wasn't uh, aware of going into it. I thought it was going to be more like that the whole time, but that's really night one. Night one is mm -hmm. very free form. You can kind of just slide in anywhere. Like if you see a character you, you want to talk to or something happening, you can kind of slide in with that group. But by day two, there were a lot of experiences that you had to have. They have you tracked. Well, you had to have a special invite to oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. where you needed to have uh, you had to scan in with your magic band and you needed to have a special invite to get into these groups. And they are uh, much smaller, more intimate uh, experiences where it's maybe only 10 people. And so I think they do that to prevent like what was happening night one. Somebody sees something and 30 people go run over. This is a way to kind of keep it of like, OK, you really played this path. So this is kind of your reward for that. Day two, you can't, it's not as, as free flowing. The other thing with that I will mention is if you are really interested in one path, go all in because we kind of played the middle, at least I did. I kind of went back and forth a little bit and I didn't get invited to a lot of these experiences. I think like I had one kind of bridge experience and then we had an issue where 
We, we were, missed our bridge. Yeah, we were involved in this heist and we we missed the bridge training and they added a few more of those experiences mm-hmm. for us. It's kind of like a make good. And I, so I, I got to see that of like, okay, you really have to be full into yeah. this kind of path to get invited because again, it is a limited thing. So if there is a character you really like, you're going to get like one or two of those. So, But make sure you really pick the path you want because that second day you need to have special access to get into a lot of these things. Right. Yeah, that is that's the issue I think with the the experience as a whole, you know, kind of just, you know, one of my biggest kind of frustration with it is there is no it's hard to play middle middle of the road. Um there is kind of a path that is sort of like middle of the road, but it's hard to say like, "Oh, I'm going to go and be a double agent" because this like the machine doesn't quite know you're doing that and so because because of that you kind of you kind of get railroaded into if you're being a double agent and you're you're going in with the the first order or whatever they're going to give you all first order stuff but you're not going to get the stuff from the um the The resistance yeah the resistance exactly so it it does it it doesn't know that yet and obviously that would be really hard for them to do and they would make bigger groups so i i don't think that they necessarily should do that but don't think that you're necessarily going to play the field because you really, you really can't. Yeah. And so the second day, like we mentioned, uh, you're up at two in the morning. You can stay there until four o'clock uh, in the afternoon. We came back a little bit early because we did one of the professional photo shoots uh, beforehand. There are some like little games. They have like space bingo. They basically have, it's they call it know your co-pilot. Mm-hmm. So it's like either if you're in a you know a couple or you're with friends, you can kind of see who knows each other. That was fun. The best. Yeah, that was fun. So they have like little things that kind of keep you busy. But that afternoon until around four, again, not a not lot a of lot. like main story stuff happens. So don't feel like you have to rush back from Batu. Um, you know, I think we got back at like one or two because again we had a photo shoot and we played a little, you know, some of the games, which I think worked out really well. It did. Um, but yeah, but don't feel like you have to rush back. And then kind of from that point on, uh, that second night, really the story moves forward and it's all wrapped up. So that the final day, it's really just breakfast and you leave. Yeah, just kind of another like inside peek at it so Batu, you get different mis- missions from your characters but actually at Batu, there is no interaction with any of those characters yeah it's all which, through your phone yeah so i i would say you know again i really love the experience would do it again but i think that that is the piece that needs improved the most out of all of them because i think that even though like people can actually do some of the things that we were doing through the disney play app anyway so you can scan like the packages and that's a lot of what we were doing but again when i got there i rushed around thinking like oh i'm gonna get so much more if i do this stuff fast i didn't so i got to a certain point when i'd done all the missions and it was you know maybe an hour or so before we left but at that point i was kind of like wanting more and wishing that there was additional things for us to do because i i felt like i should be rewarded for you know, getting there early and completing the mis- missions, um, but they kind of leave it to okay. Uh, the characters will com- like contact you and say, "Did you do this mission? Awesome. Well, we'll make contact back on the ship." And I kind of wish that there would be something else there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and you get uh, just kind of wrap up, but too, you get lightning lanes for both attractions there. And again, it's a fully immersive mm-hmm. transportation experience from the hotel. Two by two, you get a special entrance. It's not like you go through the front gate like you're just a regular mm-hmm. guest. They kind of keep that immersion in there, you know, to and from uh, Batu the whole yeah, cool. the whole day. 
real quickly, uh, food, like I said, all the foods included. So they have lunch both days. You get a food credit uh, in Batu for you to use. Mm-hmm. So you can eat at Docking Bay 7 or Ronto Roast or something like that. That's all included. Um, but if you come back, they have food there as well. You get breakfast. The first night is a sit-down dinner with Guy performing. The second night is what they call Taste Around the Galaxy. So they have food from different planets around the galaxy. All the food is kind of themed to space so you know it's not called steak it's called bantha meat uh it's not chicken it's tip yip uh different things like that and and you know that it seems like it's um somewhat either like indian or asian inspired flavors specifically the first day i felt like it was more asian inspired i really loved the food on the first day the second day was supposed to be like flavors kind of around the galaxy and I wasn't so much of a fan of all of that. We had like gazpacho. We had uh, blue cocktail shrimp, basically. It was more of like a tasting menu. So yeah. it, 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 so the second night is, is definitely more tasting menu. I thought the first night had much better food. Yeah. Uh, how it works is it's kind of family style for your family mm-hmm. um, for the sit-down dinners. And then the buffet, obviously, uh, is whatever you want. They're, they're pretty small portions, which I guess makes sense. I was kind of a little disappointed, but it's a buffet. It's all you can eat. You can just get more if you want it. So yeah, it's I would not prefer really it that way because yeah. it allowed me to try more. Yeah, and then I didn't back feel, on it, yeah, I don't feel better. guilty. You know, it wasn't like um, the experience that we had at Ohana where yeah. I felt really guilty about the amount of food that I was wasting there. It was like, okay, I took what I thought I would like. And if I didn't eat all of it, I didn't, I was like, okay, well I tried it and I didn't like it. And I, I don't have to like lose sleep over it. Yeah. But overall, I mean, the food was, was really good. I mean, it's, it's higher quality food. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely, you know, it's not like hot dogs or things like that. If you have kids, I think you can get like pizza and things for your mm-hmm. kids. You know, so you know your kid may not want to eat blue shrimp. Um, I tried <laughs> or, it just for me. Yeah, I was like, I tried. I was like, I gotta try this blue shrimp. It, I mean, it was fine. It just tastes like shrimp. Um, so they they, they kind of have that in there. But again, yeah, foods all included. They have snacks all day throughout the day as yeah. well. So if you want a snack like that, fruit and like popcorn, they have like a trail mix, things like that. Um, you can definitely kind of get that that stuff all day as well. Yeah, I packed, um, I think we bought in the airport some RX bars and I never touched them. They're still in my backpack now. There was plenty of food to eat. And again, if you're a really picky eater, I, maybe pack something. But honestly, I was saying, I'm a picky eater. You are. And I yeah. still found something to but eat. I, I didn't necessarily eat all of the food, especially like that tasting menu. But there was something I could find to eat. Like I wasn't hungry. Like I wasn't like, oh, I'm not eating any of this stuff. So I definitely am a picky eater, but I was okay. But I will say you're a picky eater that when, but when you are in a situation where you have no other option, you are open-minded. Yeah. And, and that, there are people who aren't like that. They are picky eaters. And then if they're like, say, if it is not grilled cheese, I am not going to touch this. I will this. say though, they have steak and chicken. Like they have a steak dish mm-hmm. each night. They have a chicken dish. You know, I mean, even on the buffets, they had salad and fruit. Like, even though it's kind of like unique in that it's, you know, kind of space themed and they do have some stuff that's like a little bit out there. Like I think they had caviar. Oh yeah. There's um, caviar on our, um, on the tasting menu. Yeah. yeah. On our like beef and the blue and- shrimp. It might be like, ah, I'm not sure about, they do have like some staples where you can be okay. Maybe I'm not going to eat that. That's a little bit too adventurous for me, but I know I like filet. And so I'm going to yeah. eat this and I'll be good. So, and also um, they do a nice job there. The vegetarian food. I didn't, have that but i saw like there was somebody that we made friends with who had it and it looked really really good as well and if you have a special diet like they will accommodate that just like anywhere else on the disney property yeah and the service is great 
too for the sit down dinners. Oh, they have, yeah. you know, great, great service as well. We actually sat at the captain's table the second night. And so actually the first night, basically you kind of sit in the same place each night. So if you're at the captain's table, you switch. So the first night we had a table right up front. So it was great kind of viewing to see Gaia. And then the second night we were at the captain's table. And again, just kind of a great service. And I would say the captain's table, I don't know if it was worth it, but I actually enjoyed it. Depending on what you want, I would think I would want to only be with Joe. And it seemed like if you were not at the captain's table, you were not with other people. You had your own little booth. Yeah, your own table, yeah. And so if you really, really don't want to talk to other people, that would be great. But I actually, the captain's table for for me, I think was, was almost worth it just because it kind of forced us to talk to other people. And so we were making contacts with other people that we wouldn't normally necessarily talk to. And like the first night, we only talked to the couple that was directly across from us. But the second night, by the second night, we were talking to a few of the other people because we'd seen them other, way, other places. And um, that was one of my favorite things about it is you kind of realize, again, you, you are- You run into the same people. Well, again, when there's only a few hundred people there, right. you, you kind of see the same people over and over again, especially and if they're on the same kind of dinner path plan. as you. Well, well, dinner plan, but even path as you. Yeah, because there, there was a five o'clock and uh, eight o'clock dinner. Eight, yeah. And so I felt like a lot of the times we weren't necessarily always crossing paths with the five o'clock dinner people. So we were with even a, a, like a little bit smaller of a group. Yeah, it, it was just really, it was really cool. And it allows you to kind of make friends and you realize that, you know, you all have something in common and that you like Star Wars. You probably like Disney. Um, and you were willing to, you know, come to this crazy experience. So it was it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed the captain's table because we were together with all these people. All right, yeah. So let's get into kind of some like questions. So that that's one of them. You know, are these kind of add ons worth it? And we didn't really talk about cost. So just kind of quickly talking about cost. So the cost can vary, obviously, just like any other like Disney hotel or anything. Uh, but Disney puts put out their kind of sample pricing. Uh, this is for a night in like August or September of 2023. Uh, so for two guests, it's $4,800. For three guests, it is $5,300. And for four guests, it is $6,000. So that's base pricing. It can go up from there. Uh, depending on that. So just to kind of give you a rough estimate, it's about five to $6,000 uh, if you're going. And the reason why they price it that way, two to four guests or whatever, is because there are four beds in the room. There's a there's a like a queen size bed and then there are two, two bunk, bunk beds. beds. Yeah, so you can have so, four in a cabin. So if you want to go and pay less, you can invite, you know, another couple to come with you or, you know, obviously if you have a family, um, the the cost kind of does go down a little bit if you're bringing more people. Definitely. Yeah. So, so one of the questions kind of is, is you, you pay all that and then there's add-ons. So there's the captain's table, which was $30 a person. I believe it's moving up to $50 a person in 2023. Uh, and then they also have a professional photo shoot that you can do. So it is a 30 minute photo shoot. Uh, you get edited photos from that. We actually did that. We ended up mm-hmm. with about 60 photos. So we went to like two locations and we did a, like a third location in the atrium real quick as we kind of went from one location to another. So we got 60 photos out of it. So you get a pretty good number of mm-hmm. photos. Um, that was the introductory price of $99. It is now up to $399. Um, so it's it's definitely uh, more expensive. So that's kind of one of the, the first questions is, are these additional things worth it? So you mentioned the captain's table. You you thought it was worth it. I think at $30, it's a no-brainer. Yes. I think at $50 a person, mm. it, it becomes a little bit iffier. I don't really think there's anything that special that happens at the captain's there table nothing that, that you happened. need to have that. So I think probably for $100 between the two of us, that's 
probably would not do that again. Uh, and then the photo shoot at $99 definitely is a slam dunk. You know, I think at $400, I think it's, it's kind of iffy. If, if you got a family photo shoot, you know, a professional photo shoot, it's going to cost you a few hundred dollars yeah. to get a half an hour, you know, family photo shoot. And you're maybe going to get 15 or 20 edited photos. So if you look at it from that perspective, it is kind of worth it. I think where I've you know seen people have kind of mixed results on what they thought their pictures look like. I think it kind of comes into play of like what location you're picking and do you have props? So we took a lightsaber. And also I'm I mean the 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 photographer. Yeah. We yep. had a really great photographer. Great photographer. Yeah. His name was Josh. Um he was excellent at using lighting. He gave us really good directions. He was very specific. Um he had a lot of ideas in his head. He was trying different poses and kind of explaining like, hey try this pose. I know that it feels really awkward, but those are the ones that always look the best. Like he was really good and descriptive. So, and then he kind of gave you a little feedback too. So I, I thought he was really great. Yeah. But so, but we took a lightsaber and I think that helped because I think if we didn't have a prop, you're going to run out of poses pretty quickly. And I yeah. think you have to pick good locations. Like we did some of the atrium, which were nice, but it's so bright. You can't, yeah, you no. can't get a good mood in there. So we also did the engineering room, which those photos turned out great because yes. you can play with shadows. You can play with light there, especially with the lightsaber. And there is a second person that follows the photographer yes. around and has a light like stick with um we it was her and so she was maneuvering the light around and lighting up the you know one side of your face while the other side was for us the other side was lit up by uh like a lightsaber right some of the right time. so you, so you can kind of play with with like the mood and the tone mm -hmm. there as well so. So try to pick locations that are going to look good. So I think, you know, a lot of people, yeah, if you just were out and just took pictures in the atrium, they're not going to turn out that great. It's not going to be worth it. I think it was worth it to do it once. Again, if you're kind of a big Star Wars fan, if you can take a lightsaber, mm -hmm. pick a couple of these like good moody locations. But the bridge would have been great. Yeah, we did it, we didn't do the bridge. Yeah. We did the we did the, the logo right as in the front. well, yeah. which was a really cool location, but I yeah. kind of wish we would have not done the atrium and maybe tried to get up there to get to the bridge and just at least get a couple photos. Yeah. My only complaint about it is at the end, it kind of felt a little bit rushed because we were getting to that half hour and it seems like, Hey, we're paying a lot of money for this. If we went over a few minutes, I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, so it did feel a bit rushed at the end, but again, we got 60 photos out of it. So, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty pleased with, with the volume there. So but they probably tried to stick to the times because yeah. somebody might've had the slot right after ours. Exactly. Uh, all right. So the, the next kind of question here is, do you have to love star Wars? So no. this was one of the questions no. that, that no. came from Instagram. Yeah. No, no. you don't have to love no, star don't. Wars to enjoy this. Uh, again, you don't even have to know all of the canon. You basically got to know Kylo <laughs> Ren and Ray and Chewie, those kind of couple characters, and you're good to go. Jedi, First Order, that's it. But you do not have to love Star Wars to enjoy this okay, experience. Okay, so I, I will give you, again, I know I said at the top of the episode this made me like Star Wars more. I, my experience with Star Wars is I really enjoy The Mandalorian. I really love The Bad Batch. And I liked the first movie in um, like the Ray. Um, yeah, the, the first Disney one. Yeah, episode I, I literally seven. don't yeah. even know the name of the movie. Force That's Awakens. How, yes, The Force Awakens. I loved that movie because I love seeing a female lead in there. But those are those are my experiences with Star Wars. And I wouldn't say I'm an over like a huge fan of like Boba Fett or you know any of those other. I haven't seen the first three. Well, not really the, the first prequels. three, but the prequel movies. Yeah. So I am not 
your world's biggest star star wars fan but now you know after talking to people on the ship and and going there i want to know more i want to know about more about the history i want to watch all the animated series that we haven't watched so i definitely think it, it really pulls you in it does living that yeah it does and and it kind of you know i, I enjoyed i always got really frustrated with the politics in star wars um that annoyed me a little bit. I just, I don't know. I don't know if I, it was just too much like real life, but I actually think that, you know, seeing it in action and seeing like, you know, the like undertones of like racism, things like that. It made me more interested in the universe or the the galaxy as a whole, because I, I'm like, Oh, well there, if there are these little things in there that are worked in there that are kind of like real life, I, I kind of want to see what else there is to it like i i want to see what else you know george lucas and disney and have been able to do with this that kind of adds to the complexity and the themes of star wars yeah and i'm somebody that's that's seen all the movies i'm definitely not like as die hard Mm -hmm. as uh some people are i don't know every character i haven't seen every animated series but i am definitely more a fan of star wars than you yes um i would definitely say that um so i very much enjoyed it i was a little bit worried of do I know enough? You know, are there are there going to be people out here talking about planets I've never heard of, or you know, are they going to ask me a question? I'm going to be like, I, I don't, I don't know how to answer that, you know, because I don't know that level of detail. Um, but definitely, that never came up. That was not an issue of that. I didn't know how to answer something. Again, they they kind of help you along. You know, they'll they'll, they'll they help they'll you give... not feel awkward. Yeah. So if they they'll, ask they'll, you a yeah. question, like there was somebody who asked when we got in there, they had a lightsaber. And they like, so it wasn't, it wasn't us. It was another couple that was carrying a lightsaber with them. And they said, Oh, what? Oh, you're, you have, you have a lightsaber. Are you a Jedi? What, what, or I, I don't it know. It was how. like, what, yeah, like what study did you, what did study? You do? Yeah. And like the one in the, the, um, lady, she didn't know or something yeah, like that. She just said, like, um, I'm self taught. Yeah. And then, yeah. But the guy was like series seven or something like yeah. that. And she's like, Oh, Mace Windu. And he's like, Yes. Yeah. So like, again, they'll, they'll play with, with what you have. And, you know, the, the person said self-taught the, the Sasha. We're like, oh, many people are like that. Like, yes. it's, it's okay. So, yeah, you don't you don't need to know, like, the minutiae details. So yes. I think, yeah. And you don't have to panic. Because yeah. <laughs> right. that, that, to right. me, would be, like, a heart-stopping question. And I'd be like, I don't know how to answer this. I'm going to get this wrong. You don't need to. They will help you along. It, it's it's really not a big yeah. deal. Any, any level of Star Wars knowledge yes. is good enough here. So, all right. So this is a, another question we got. Uh, over on Instagram, should you wear a costume? Yes. Okay. And I think <laughs> Sorry, this, I'm answering these very quickly. And I think this kind of also plays into how to have the best experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I would agree with you. I think you should wear a costume. We both wore costumes. Absolutely. As we mentioned, we both used fake names. Um, again, I was Lars. I think that was a great Star Wars name. You, you are Danny. So I think definitely wear a costume. Again, this is a thing you do not have to go in insane detail. We kind of dressed kind of like they do on Batu, so just use layers, kind of muted colors. I had brown pants, like a dark blue shirt uh, and green. I had brown on, uh, kind of cloak one day. It's basically, stuff on Amazon you can find a lot of like linen. Just like look up linen, yeah, you know, and muted colors, you know, layers. Some people go very in depth of you know their first order officers, their you know ex empire things like that. Some people are you know full out cosplaying as Ray or Kylo Ren, something like that. So again, you don't have to be you don't have to be nervous of like oh I'm not going to fit in if I don't yeah. go in too much detail. And also, there's people that don't dress up at all. So if you feel like yeah. hey I'm not comfortable with that. 
that. I'm just going to wear my normal clothes. You can do that and still have a great time. Again, the people aren't going to look at you and be like, I'm not going to talk to you or I'm not going to have you come on these missions because you didn't dress up. Right. Again, it's whatever you want to do. So I would say there's probably half the people there did not dress up. Over half. Yeah. But there were a lot of people that were dressed up as well. You know, some people like were dressed up like Han Solo. So it's kind of whatever level you want to do. But I would definitely recommend dressing up. I and would. I would recommend coming dressed because you kind of get some good photos um, right. as soon as you go in kind of dressed up. Yeah. So I think that going dress up, well, first of all, I, you don't necessarily have to spend a ton of money doing this. So I'm going to point to Joe on this. I, I, I didn't really do this, but Joe had the same outfit that he wore. I mean, he had like a, a dressy outfit, but he had the same outfit that he wore, um, both days, both days. Like the base layer, the base it. layer. Yeah. So he wore the same like shirt underneath shirt and, and the same shorts and or same pants and the same shoes. But he had one day he had a vest that was over top that was like dark green. And the next day he actually like basically he just took a piece of fabric that we got at Joanne Fabrics. And he almost made like it was like a bigger scarf, like a neck wrap out yeah, of it. It was. I was very much inspired by Obi Wan's look from the Obi Wan series. Yes, uh, on Disney Plus, I was very much inspired by that. Right. So and like he wrapped it around his neck, and it it made his outfit look completely different, even though it was the exact same one. So if you're looking for something and you're like, oh, I don't want to like put a ton of effort into you know new thing every day. Really, if you think about it, you think about the layers. You can switch up the top layer, and then it gives your outfit a completely different look if you don't want to go that far into it but yeah so I, I had similar outfits both days and then for the second night for the taste around the galaxy it's a little bit fancier dinner we both kind of had like fancier outfits yes. i had a cape on and everything you had a really nice black and white outfit um yes. so yes yeah, so you know, i was we channeling my inner star stormtrooper yeah and you found it for me too yes, i like that was the, a good outfit. you found it on yeah. amazon so so definitely recommend a costume i think in terms of how can you have a good experience i think wearing a costume is good i think using a fake name is good as well i, I don't know if this is true but i feel like that kind of help draw some of the actors to us a little bit more because I think actors actors they, they knew, and people yeah they like knew the fact we that were, we were dressed yeah. up and the fact that we had I mean the people didn't know we had a fake name but we went in and immediately you know they said what's your name and I said well our names that we are that are aliases are Angela and Joe yeah, our earth aliases are, yeah. yes but our and they're like oh well what's your real name you know uh, yeah so that was because I was we were thinking like how do we do this like how do we tell them that this is not the name we want to go oh, by yeah. and by the way it's really easy if you want to use a fake name just whenever they say hey what's your name just tell them your name they don't know they don't know that your reservations under angela and joe you know if somebody walks up and says yeah. hi who are you and i said hi i'm lars they knew me as lars from then on you know like yeah. you don't have to get too into your head about like well how am i gonna use this fake name just tell them your name you know from there on out and then that's kind of all you need to do yeah yeah. But I, I I think that played into it because I think they knew, hey, this isn't their real name. You know, that kind of plays into it. I would definitely pick something that, you know, kind of maybe sounds Star Wars, but it's easy to remember. Like, I think yeah. Lars was a very unique name and easy to remember. Danny was too. And so Croy knew who I was. I was kind of on his path. And every time he'd see me, he'd be like, Lars, I got a shout out at the end. Everybody yep. knew who I was. Yep. Everybody Dude, they're like, you. he called you out. You helped him. You helped him. And everybody knew uh, who it Lars was, was. It was but, incredible. But I think it was helpful. Like, if I would have picked some, like, very odd, obscure name, I think it would have been harder to remember. Like, it was very easy for him to remember that name. So the, kind of keep that in mind as well. The other, and I don't know if this, I mean, again, you don't know if these people are giving their real names or not. But the other name that, you know, was very, like, stood out was somebody went by Emerson. Emerson and he also got a shout out at the end. So, again, if you kind of pick these, like, 
interesting names that are going to make you stand apart from other people. And again, if you are integral, because again, he was a person that was always with, um, he was always with the, um, I want to say like the good guys, the resistance. Yeah. The resistance. He was always with the the resistance. So he was helping them. So he kind of got a lot more, uh, you know, deep in what they were doing and just like you kind of ended up getting in pretty deep with the first order. The first order. Yeah. But, and that was actually nice too, because you were de- in deep with the first order. I was not, but because you had introduced me to Croy and I was kind of like, I don't want to interact with him. He's a bad guy. Um, but that was really nice because I, it did give me like a door to interact with him. And then also, I also got a shout out at the end because we were together and I wasn't you with turned, him. You turned. Because I turned. I was a turncoat. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, and so and kind of the final thing I would say is just play along. Have some like general idea of your backstory. Again, you don't have to go incredibly detailed. Yes. And have a general idea. Like go back and listen to the character introductions we did at the beginning of the episode. Because if you just know a little bit about the characters, it will help. Because then you can throw in some key phrases that kind of get them hooked and know, okay, you want to be part of my storyline. So... When I talk to Croy, I mean, even if you just go up and talk to them, yeah, they but, know that. But what I'm saying is, like, when I talked yeah. with Croy, I was like for the order, which is like a first oh, order thing. Yes. So just knowing that he knows, okay, you're kind of involved in this. When I talked to uh, Wraith Cole, he was talking to me, and I was like, hey, I'm, you know, I'll help out whoever's paying the most credits. I'm helping. He goes, oh, okay, like, you know, he's like, all right, because that's kind of his, uh, you know, thing too of like again, kind of like that rogue, I'm just going to go with, you know, whoever uh, is kind of the, you know, the most profitable. I'm looking out for Wraith uh, to a certain extent. Or light the spark and ignite the fire. Yeah. Yeah. For the resistance. So Mm -hmm. like, if you know just a couple of like the key terms, when you talk to them at the beginning, they're going to know, okay, you're definitely in on this a little bit. So again, you don't need to know a ton of detail, but go with that. And then just, just play along, just kind of be there, uh, you know, talk to them. Just again, the more you give them, the, the better the experience is going to be and the more they're going to want to interact with you because you're giving them something to work with. I mean, again, they have to do this story too. I mean, they don't want to talk to somebody that's not going to talk back to well, them. What makes it, I'm sure, interesting for them is the variance of the different people that are there. So, you know, they're running through that same storyline over and over and over and over and over again. But the They're thing like that in makes Westworld. It, yeah. They're just like in these Yeah, loops. true. Yeah. yeah. But the thing that makes it different for them is whenever they have, you know, the kid that comes up and he says he's a shark. Um, like that is, <laughs> that's that kid the thing. Was great. That kid was the best kid in the whole world. I don't know if that was a character he was playing, but it was great. <laughs> just real quick, if you do want to wear a costume, the only restrictions is you can't wear a, a mask that covers your face. So if you want to be a Mandalorian, you can carry your helmet around with you. You can put it on for pictures, but you can't have the mask on uh, when you're on the ship. No blasters are allowed. They ask you that as soon as you come in. Mm-hmm. So you can't have any fake blasters. Lightsabers are fine, though. When you're on the ship, you can basically wear anything else. Uh, the day you go to Batu. You cannot wear full-length capes, so that's just a restriction that they have in the parks. Uh, But you can basically wear anything else. I mean, we had three or four people come up to us and ask (laughs) us either for directions because they thought we were cast members, or they came up and said, wow, I thought you guys were actually cast members for a second. Somebody was asking me like where they could buy Joe, merchandise okay, and stuff. Joe literally had somebody walk up to him and say, where can I get a baby Yoda? I, and, and, yeah, and I was like, and, I don't know. And Joe goes, I don't know. So I was laughing, thinking about that night. He went in and it was like, how was your experience at Galaxy's Edge? Well, I asked a cast member where I could buy a baby Yoda and he just answered, I don't know, unapologetically. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's actually, I mean, I, I got to give Disney credit that they really have very few restrictions in letting mm-hmm. people... Uh, kind of cosplay and wear costumes in Galaxy's Edge because a lot of people, I mean, when you're on the Star Cruiser, that is kind of like your 
your highest level of cosplay. I mean, those people are really dressing up to really look like they, they fit in really mm-hmm. look like they fit in with Batu. So you're going to get people who think you're cast members. And I, I give Disney a lot of credit that they're like willing to accept that because again, you're paying a ton of money. You're in this immersive okay. experience. You know, it would kind of stink if they're like, Hey, you can't, you got to tone it down when you go to Batu because we can't have you confused for cast members. But yeah, we repeatedly uh, got, either told, I thought you were a cast member because we were getting our picture taken. They're like, I actually thought you guys were cast members or they're asking us directions. So I give Disney credit for allowing guests to do that. It was a lot of fun. It was like a funny experience of like, yeah, they're like, how do you get to someplace? I'm like, I'm not sure. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were a cast member. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just (laughs) kind of walking around doing my missions here. Uh, But so those are really kind of like the only restrictions, you know, you have. But other than that, uh, you can go pretty much as detailed as you want. Uh, and again, definitely on the ship, you can go a lot more detailed because uh, you're you're on the ship there. You know, one one question is: Is it worth even going to Batu? I've I've been to Galaxy's Edge before. I've ridden all the attractions. Uh, what's the point of kind of getting off the ship and doing this? I definitely would say yes, it is worth it. One, there's nothing going on on this ship mm-hmm. when you're gone, so you might as well go. And two, you need to do that to. To, to complete move missions into yeah, those and move your stores, yeah. Because like like lines. we mentioned, there's kind of special events that get added that second night, depending on what storyline you're in. And if you don't do those missions, you're not going to get involved you in those even, stories. Yeah. yeah. So we actually sat next to a couple, and they kind of said, "Oh, we couldn't figure out how to get things to you know, like we couldn't figure out how to do certain things, or we couldn't figure out how to interact in Batu." And they then didn't have anything, um, like they couldn't move further in the storyline they actually didn't have a whole lot to do the last day because they didn't um like they just didn't know how it worked now the thing is if you don't know how something works go ask a cast member they will tell you because there was one time i think it was it was tuning i got something that was called tuning and i didn't know what it was i didn't understand how it worked it told me to go stand over uh by the elevators and i was standing there and there was a cast member i'm like you know how this works and they said oh i think that you have to you know tilt your phone or tilt tilt your data pad and try to line it up and then from there i was able to figure out you know what to do there are a couple little kind of games like that that um what was it it wasn't hacking what was it called yeah i mean hacking hacking. like that yeah Yeah, hacking was like that too where it was like you had to kind of figure out how it worked uh a little bit by cause like just you playing around with it yeah Yeah, you you had to move the pieces around and then there was also a part sometimes where you had to match up a line the line was sort of scrambled and you had to put it together so that it made one continuous line and you just click and drag the pieces around so that can be definitely frustrating i i'm sure that there are people that get frustrated by that but if you don't go and ask a cast member um they will help you if you can't figure it out yeah exactly or another person on the ship would also probably help you out because they've probably maybe encountered that yeah too. they figured it out before mm-hmm. yeah like you helped me i was like yeah, how do you do this tuning thing i'm like mm-hmm. walking around like where am i do i have to go to a special spot yeah. you're like oh no just move your phone yeah and so yeah you, you definitely helped me out there so all right so i think this is the big question everybody has is it worth the cost is it worth the full the five to six thousand dollars you're going to pay for this thing and i think if you do a breakdown of it just from like kind of dollars and cents, I can see why it costs this much. You're basically at a deluxe hotel. It's extremely well themed. I mean, it's like you are stepping into food a movie. Food all the time. Food all the time. Higher quality food. You know, you're going, you're getting lightning lanes, you're getting I mean, our meals were like twenty dollars a piece in Galaxy's Edge. That was covered. So now I mean again, that's not a lot compared to five or six thousand dollars. <laughs> um, but but it's covered. And then you have to pay the actors. I mean, you're paying for that immersion and that quality. Mm-hmm. You know, they are there 
six to eight hours each night. And you they know? work kind of crappy hours because they usually start in the late afternoon. Yeah, they're working like until deep like into the evening. Yeah. Like that, the last night, yeah, it was, I think, you know, 11 like or 11 something or 12, or 12 yeah. whenever they finally were able to pack it up and, you know, go back Earthside. Yeah. Um, and, so, and they're on. I mean, they're, you know, de- obviously they kind of rotate a little bit. They're not always kind of on stage. They, you mm-hmm. know, they have breaks and things, but they're, they're there. So you're, you're paying for that level of immersion. You're paying for the deluxe hotel, all of that stuff. So I can definitely see why it costs that much. And again, you know, Disney's obviously got to make money. So, and they have, they have tons of cast members. It's not just the people yeah. that work. Like they have, you know, and they're, the, at, at, they're like the top there's like tier a, cast. There's members like a too. concierge service yeah. also there. And there's probably, you know, at, sometimes there's only one, but usually, I mean, there are times where there were like five or so in there. Well, they're so. great. I mean, they're extremely helpful. As soon as you get on the ship, you have a cast member personally take you to your room, mm-hmm. explain to you the data pad, any questions you have. Um, they bring you your luggage. They take yes. your luggage back whenever you're leaving. So like you you kind of have a personal cast member helping you out. Like you said, there's people there giving you tours. They have like little games and stuff. The the concierge was great. Again, we we missed our bridge training because we were on a mission and they were and I just we kind of asked, hey, is there any other bridge training we can do? We missed ours. Uh, and they were extremely helpful because there wasn't one, but they're like, you know what? We're going to add additional experiences, experiences for, you. for you, which we did not <laughs> ask for. We were just yeah. like, hey, is there another bridge training? And they're like, no. And we're like, oh, that's okay. But they took like 10 or 15 minutes and found some other stuff for us to do. So the the customer service and kind of the quality of everybody working there is phenomenal. That was great. And I really was happy we ended up missing that bridge. Yeah, it worked <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it worked, worked out, out really yeah. well because we still, we didn't know what we were doing in the bridge, but other people, like I kind of asked, like, well, I asked hey, the cast member, I was like, I missed my training. What do I do? They're like, oh, you just do this. So yeah, yeah. Out. I asked other people that were there and I was like, hey, I didn't, I didn't get to operate this one yet. Or because I actually, we ended up be- getting to go to the bridge twice after that. Cause I think most people, it seemed like most people had the bridge training and then like maybe, one experience yeah, there bridge, was one yeah. other additional experience. We, we I had, two additional yeah I, I would say the the bridge training is definitely the lesser of the two so you do a lightsaber training experience you do a bridge training the lightsaber is definitely the better of the two the bridge training is very much like a video game mm-hmm. um yeah i thought I, it was fun I, it was fun but to your point i don't think we missed a lot by missing the bridge training because we had a later no. bridge experience and you still right. kind of got to work the bridge and I think that was really cool. So so from a straight dollars and cents perspective, I kind of see where Disney's coming from with the cost. But is it like emotionally, is it worth the cost? Is it really worth paying this amount of money? I would say yes, with the asterisk of I would not do this a lot. I mean, this is one of those things you do maybe once in a lifetime. Maybe every few years if they update the story. Because again, it's something you can go back to because you can play different storylines. You can be a Jedi one time. You can be First Order one time. You can be Resistance and kind of have different interactions. And and no two voyages are going to be the same. But I did not leave there feeling like I wasted my money. It was a whirlwind experience. It goes by so, so quickly, but so much happens. I mean, I got off and I was like, was that a dream? Like, did that really happen? Everything that happened. Yeah. Uh, and it was so phenomenal. And just being involved in the story the way you are, getting that kind of call out at the end yeah, and everybody getting had, mad at me we did was great. Ha- we did have a really cool experience again, though, because I, th- I think you worked your way in. And then like once we kind of calmed down and got comfortable, like you did a good job of playing with Croy and like kind of you know interacting with him yeah. and because of that he liked you which also made you memorable um so but I that's mean, where it comes to you you have to immerse yourself if yes. you're gonna pay six thousand dollars and you're just gonna sit there and think it's a vacation 
it is a waste of money and you're going to hate it. This if, is why I say you have to dress up. I don't say, I don't mean you have to, but yeah. I mean, if you're going to pay that kind of money to go, you want to be in the whole way. Yeah. If, you, so, if you love Star Wars, yeah. if you love LARPing, live action role playing, if, if you, you like, cos- like Star Wars, cosplaying, yeah, like you will find it worth it. You will enjoy it if you really give yourself over to it. And it's easy to do because if you're a game person or yeah. you're willing to, you like theme parties a whole lot, like, those are your, this might be your kind of thing yeah. that you might like. I will say though, and it's, it's somewhat easy to do too. I mean, I, I find myself very much uh, an introvert. I'm not somebody that like mm-hmm. will go and, and usually start conversations. But when you're on the ship, I mean, there's no windows. It is very easy to have a suspension of disbelief that you're in space, that you are this character on this cruise, that these people are real. And it's a small group and it feels like enough of a safe space that you're like, you're not going to feel like I'm going to make an idiot of myself or I'm going to feel dumb doing this. And so I think that helps you kind of get out of your own head, at least for me, kind of get out of my own head and be like, I'm going to go talk to this person and it's fun. And again, they, they make it fun. And so it's a lot of fun getting into it. So I think even if you're introverted, um, you can still have a good time because you can kind of get past that and, and get involved in the story. So for me, I felt like it was worth the cost. Again, it's very expensive. I understand that, that it's it's something that uh, not a lot of people can afford. But I think if it is something you can afford, again, it's it's maybe something you do once. It's kind of like yeah. I felt like Adventures by Disney. That's a lot of money. But yeah. it is such a magical experience that I feel like it was worth doing that one time. Now, whether we go, go do other Adventures by Disney, I'm not sure. But it was worth doing that once. Same with the Star Cruiser. Do we do it again? Maybe I'd like to maybe see them change the story or, you know, when they have some changes to the, you know, the app and things, which I'm sure they will in, you know, three to four years, there's going to be a 2.0 version of this Mm. as technology kind of catches up and it gets even better. You know, maybe that's when to look at it again, but I I don't feel like I wasted my money going this time. I I feel like it was worth at least going to once. Right. I, I agree with you on that. I mean, are there things that I think could be improved um, absolutely. Like I, I, like I mentioned, the Batu experience I think could have been more meaningful. I wish they would have had at least like one plant, one actor, maybe in every storyline or something. It could even be somebody different. It doesn't have to be one of the main actors. But if they had somebody there that you're interacting with that kind of was in on the storyline, I think that would be better. Um, I also do wish that the area, like there were more areas on the ship for you to explore. Uh, you know, there was the engineer, there was the engineering room, uh, and like maybe eventually the cargo hold but that was really small um in the bridge but other than that and the atrium there really wasn't a lot of areas that felt like they were exclusive or um difficult to get into so i i did wish there was more of that um i wish that that kind of you know existed but still even with those critiques um it just was a completely different thing for me i i, I think that maybe if you are an experienced LARPer that you had, are in this great LARPing group, maybe you'd be disappointed. <laughs> but other than that, I think I don't most think you people... Would be. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, no, the actors are top-notch. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, that's really where this whole experience lights up is it's not even necessarily... I, I mean, all around, it's really cool. But I think that the the staff that they have there, it really, like, just makes it next level. Um like I, I want to be, I, again, I, we, like we mentioned, we want to contact these people in real life, like Lanka Mock, 
awesome. Loved her. Want to be friends with her. Like she was so cool. The Saja were awesome. Um, you know, Croy, amazing. Wraith Cole, great. Like everyone was so awesome that I would love to like have contact with them and be like, Hey, like you did a great job. I, I committed this storyline. Like I want to give you props on your interactions with these people that weren't even me because it was really cool to watch. So yeah, it, it was just, it was really cool. It was cool to like check it out and see what was going on and see what it's all about. So I would definitely recommend it. And like you said, if you have the money, if this is something that you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm either going to go on a honeymoon and at the beach where I really enjoy or this, uh, maybe I'd take the honeymoon at the beach that you really would enjoy over this. But if you have, if you save for it and you want, you definitely want to do it, I would recommend doing it. Yeah. And I completely agree with all of that. And, and one thing I want to say is cause you know, there is, um, reports out now that they're offering kind of the first discount on this to DVC members. I think a lot of people are, are trying to point to this, you know, with negativity of, Oh, it's not doing well. They're having trouble selling out. So they're offering discounts. You know, the, the, the hotel's in trouble. It hasn't even been open a year. They're offering discounts. I will say it is not selling out, which I think obviously is better. I don't think this thing needs to sell out for them to make money as much as they charge. I mean, I have to imagine if it's 50, 60% full, they're still doing Okay. But I think the DVC discount isn't a sign of trouble. I think there's two things with the DVC discount. One, using your points, you have to use points to book it. So you get a 30% discount, but you have to use points. This is a terrible way to use points. You know, if you don't book at a, a DVC hotel, like if you use DVC for cruises or for Adventures by Disney, it's a terrible way to use your points. It's like you use way. Why is that? Because I've heard you say this before, yeah. but I, I'm not exactly sure why you say that because you basically like at the dvc hotels you get a really good deal if you use your points because they want you to stay that's kind of the idea they want you to stay at the hotels they offer the you know these other experiences for you to use them but they basically are still charging you full price so like when we stay at the polynesian our points it works out to like two hundred dollars a night so we're getting a great deal because the poly can be six seven eight hundred dollars a night but if you do an adventures by Disney, you're still paying the six or seven thousand dollars in just in points. So mm. it's not like you're getting a discount on it. So you're using up a lot of points, and it's a way so for them it's like a coupon versus paying full. full yeah. Price. And so what a lot of people will do is because it isn't an effective way to use points is they'll sell their points for that year and then use that money to to buy a cruise. That's smart. Or or to buy uh, adventures by Disney because it's a much more efficient way to doing it. So you know, using the Star Cruiser, you're going to use a lot of points. So I think one, this is a way for Disney to kind of absorb some of the excess points that have happened because the past few years they've had issues with people not going to Disney because of the pandemic. And so there's too many points out there and they've been trying to like use up these points. So I think this is one way to get kind of suck up some of those excess points. I think the other thing is DVC members are kind of some of the most diehard member uh, fans of Disney because you know these people are paying tens of thousands of dollars for the basically right to vacation there year after year after year. So you are all in, all in yeah. you are hardcore uh, into Disney. And so incentivizing those people to go on the Star Cruiser, I think is in Disney's best interest because these are people that are going to really enjoy it. They're going to tell a lot of people how great it was. They're going to be more willing to go back because they loved it. And I think it's going to help just with word of mouth. I think, you know, the star cruiser had a lot of good uh, buzz at the beginning. Obviously, you know, that's going to kind of level off. And so getting some DVC members out there, I think is just going to kind of help generate buzz. So I think that's where this discounts coming from. 
if it was a general discount, if they were offering 25%, 30% off to regular people, then I would maybe say, yeah, maybe they're having some trouble booking this up. But I think the fact that it's just DVC and you have to use points is a way for them to, to, to get points out of the system and then to get kind of their most diehard fans loving this hotel. Yeah, I mean, you got to think that, you know, social media is one of the greatest things for companies, especially massive companies, because people go in and then they make YouTube videos, they make, you know, all kinds of content that essentially serve as ads for them that are free. And if they have a following, then if 25 people see it and one of them books, that's still a great thing for Disney. Yeah, and you want your biggest fans talking about this. You know what I mean? Like you want the people that you know are going to love this and you know are going to tell everybody about it talking about this. All right. So wrapping up with this one kind of final question uh, is this is a great idea. I think this was you know really unique. It's somehow something you're only going to see at Disney, but yet somehow feels like how do they even pull this off? I mean, it's, it's the most incredible thing. It's very hard to describe as much as we've, we've described it being at the galactic star cruiser is a kind of completely different experience experiencing in person so what other properties do we think this would work for because i do not think there's many because you need something uh that has a major fandom like star wars i think you need something that has fantastical elements to it like a lightsaber experience outer space alien characters and, and you need something that yeah isn't like so niche that people aren't willing to you know pay for like you need a, a large enough audience that's going to go to it a large enough fandom but something that isn't just kind of like you know run of the mill that has some sort of like fantastical elements to it that you can add it in so i think there's only a few kind of other fandoms that this could work for like i think something like dungeons and dragons like that you know if you look yeah. at it, that has a big fandom but i don't think that has broad enough appeal that you could do a completely immersive hotel oh, like this. I think you, but uh, that, that somebody would pay so. $6,000 for, I think you would have a hard time. I mean, you have so many celebrities that love and, and have like podcasts and do their own YouTube. I think that Dungeons and Dragons would work. The thing is, I don't know how many beloved Dungeons and Dragons characters there are. There are characters that do show up a lot, but I don't know if it could sustain. Like, it's not like you know, right. you know having Chewbacca show yeah, up or something. That's what I'm saying. I think it's, it's not, hard to sub- sustain that because. But I do see that that could. I think that that could actually work. Okay, so I, I don't think that would because I don't think there's enough there. I mean, the whole thing about Dungeons and Dragons is you're kind of on your own story and you're interacting with these monsters and other characters. I don't see how you do that. How do you bring all those monsters to life? How do you bring that story to life? So I think something like I, that. Again, I think that's where it gets difficult. Like, it seems like it may be good, but I don't think in terms of mass appeal and in terms of bringing the characters to life, I don't think it works. I think that it could work if you came in with a character sheet like you would do for Dungeons & Dragons and then you have a they have a dungeon master behind the scenes running everything and then they have set storylines. I actually do think that this could really work. But it, again, if you have if you have somebody that's like an experienced dungeon master pulling all the strength, I actually think this would be really interesting. The only problem with it is Dungeons and Dragons is almost like it's definitely one of those games that it's like if there's so many different ways you can go and ways you can react to things. And I think that diehard fans of the game would struggle with the fact that they would kind of tie you in right. to more narrow. That's what I'm saying. I think it's hard lines. to do kind of fully yeah, immersive. Now, there. Yeah, it would be hard, but I think it could work. I think there's two properties that this makes sense for. I think one is Harry Potter. So I think, and this mm-hmm. would be over at universal. I think if you do this for Harry Potter, 
I think it would be book solid for it years. Would, it would be crazy. I yeah. think people would pay any amount of money. Harry Potter fans uh, are some of the most hardcore fans. I think it has broad appeal. Oh my gosh, they could have the sorting hat. It, yeah, it's it's iconic. So you could have a lot of you know iconic scenes, and there's fantastical magical elements. So you could have. Imagine Ollivander's... I'm getting chills right yeah, now. Ima- this is actually... Imagine you the- and I didn't talk about this one at all in advance. So now I'm like, yeah, this yeah, is imagine, crazy. Yeah, this, like, imagine the, what the is it? The Whelping hat. Woods? What is it? Yeah, well, I mean, to your point, imagine you walk in, you, you get sorted. Yeah. You have the sorting hat and it sorts you into what faction you're in. You could have like Ollivander's times 100. there would be people that would have like massive crises whenever they got to... Be, like they were like, oh, you're Hufflepuff or whatever. Like they, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they could you know, suss that out beforehand on, you know, where, where you need to be. Um, but yeah, imagine some sort of like wand training or duel. And again, you have such iconic characters. You could have a death eater attack. You could, you know, even if you don't want to have Voldemort, oh my even if you don't want to have Voldemort and Harry Potter, I mean, you could have kind of the ancillary characters in there. Oh I, I think it really crazy. works for Harry Potter. I think you could be fully immersed. And again, Universal needs to get started on this. You now. could build this at Universal Yesterday. and then you could go to Diagon Alley. You could have a day excursion to yes. Diagon Alley. So now you're in the theme parks and you're in the hotel. So I think it works for Harry Potter. I I think the other one, and this is Disney, I think it's Marvel. So I think you could, next to Avengers Campus, build a fully immersive Marvel hotel. I think where this works is, again, you have uh, broad appeal. You have a lot of people that understand Marvel. There's a lot of characters you can pull from. And I think there's a lot you can do in terms of superhero training. So you can use some of that Disney magic to make it seem like you have superpowers. And Again, maybe you're not Spider-Man or you know, maybe you're not the Incredible Hulk, but you can do something in the same way that they had lightsaber training. It worked. You could do something similar like that that makes it feel like you have superpowers. And I think you could have some sort of story. Marvel has a deep enough well of characters and a deep enough well of stories. I think you could make this work and then you could have a tie into the excursion uh, at Avengers Campus. But I think those are the two properties really that I think works for. And I, I really don't think there's a lot of other be- besides those two. I actually think that Marvel would be difficult though, because the suspension of dis- dis- disbelief, if you wanted to be a hero really bad would be hard because you are limited to being a just normal human. Um, I think it would be really difficult for them to make you feel like you were extra strong or whatever. And you couldn't just come in what? and say, well, my superpower is invisibility up. Oh, I'm invisible now. Like it, I don't know well, if no, that would I mean, work. I, I think in the same way that some people go to the star cruiser and they dress up as twilight, you know they they or, paint, or they the paint guy, their skin or the guy that was that had the apron on that was a droid that was, a droid. was, that was awesome yeah. he was a liberated droid but i mean i mean people they dress up as different species on star wars you know some people but some people go as a jedi and obviously they don't but have that's powers. all physical you can make your physical body look that way right but but i think you could be you could easily be if you go to uh, a superhero you could easily be a mutant you could say hey i'm a mutant i have these powers Again, they don't necessarily manifest. Obviously, you're not going to you know, make them happen. In the same way, like if you go to Harry Potter, you say I'm a wizard, but it's not like you can do magic. You're a wizard. Harry you know what I'm Potter. saying? Like, like you're not going to be able to do magic. So I, I think it works for those two. But again, I, I don't really think outside of those two fandoms, I don't there's a lot you can do. I also thought of like maybe Pokemon, like a Pokemon one may be interesting. But again, I don't think 
you can do enough to that to make mm-hmm. that a fully immersive multi-day the animals, experience. The animals couldn't really be reproduced in a meaningful way. Yeah, I, like, I think Pokemon works better as like a theme park where you maybe have some sort of like training experience or something like that. Like it works in you know maybe a 15 or 20 minute experience, but it's not going to be able to, to sustain a multi-day uh, hotel 360 degree immersion. When holograms are a thing, the Pokemon hotel could be a thing. Um, until that is a possibility um, and they could create little things that look absolutely 100% real. You could throw a po- Pokeball at it and then it could disappear like it went into your Pokeball and then you could throw it back out. Um, until that's a po- that's a possibility, yeah. that could never happen. And you could so- do like Team Rocket you, know, you have good guys, bad guys in that. You know, in the same way Harry Potter, Marvel, yeah. you have good guys, bad guys. I mean, imagine at a Marvel hotel, Loki there recruiting people. Oh my gosh, I'm for some team sort Loki of, all yeah, the way. For some sort of mission on stealing an Infinity Stone. And then you have Captain America there recruiting people to be the next Avenger. See, like you need kind of like that good side, bad side. And so, you know, Pokemon has Team Rocket. Again, I don't think that's enough. I mean, as much, you know, as crazy as pokemon is as much as they're theirs i don't think that's to the level where you could do a fully immersive experience like this which is is crazy that's how high the bar needs to be in order to pull this off yeah i I think that again i don't think the fandom for this is large enough and i think it has in recent years fallen off but you almost could do something like this with pirates of the caribbean um no way I, no way. I, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, it's not enough. I mean, you know, there's talk it, of like, do, do they again, do a no. haunted mansion hotel or something? It, it's not deep enough, and I don't think there's enough story there again to do a multi-day experience. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if it would be a multi. I mean, again, nothing quite to this level, but it would be really cool to go on a, a pirate ship and you could help a, you know, like a a pirate, um, or you could choose to be one of the good guys, but nobody would want to be one of the good yeah, guys. I mean, they so have, but that's actually kind of interesting, like yeah. a different twist. Like everyone would want to be with the with you know, because Captain Jack's not a bad guy; he's just not a good guy. And they have that in the Magic Kingdom. They have that like pirate thing where you go around and you basically help Captain Jack do stuff. So again, I think it works better in just like a, a smaller theme park setting, but it's not enough. Even like Indiana Jones, like I don't think this works for Indiana Jones. Like if uh, most franchises you think of, Transformers. I love Transformers. That's not going to work don't for Don't admit that. Please don't admit <laughs> no, that. I love Transformers. That's not going to work for a hotel like this. You know, again, it's it's a very high bar to set. It works for Star Wars. I think it could work for Harry Potter. I think it could work for Marvel, but that's about it. So that wraps up the show for this week. Are, uh, we, are we finally done talking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we 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 covered a lot in terms of kind of this overview uh, you know, guide for basically everything you need to know. We are going to have another episode later this week come out to so kind of a, a bonus episode this week for our listeners where we are going to talk in greater detail about our experience on the Star Cruiser. So really talking about the storylines we did, the character interactions, some of the spoilers, the reveals, what actually happened to us on the Star Cruiser. So we wanted to split that up in case some people didn't want to hear those spoilers. You could you know, easily to skip that episode. We will not be offended. And then you can tune back in next Monday for our regularly scheduled program. And we will flag that one and say spoiler alert many times. So those people have a chance to dip. Yes, exactly. So, uh, but want to thank everybody again for listening. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps. And we really appreciate it. Thanks for letting us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.